listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? I am uh, I'm a year older today, Jeff. That's how That's I'm true. doing. I'm, uh, it's uh, it's more gray hair every second now. <laughs> Um, I, I feel like that, I think I saw that the folks down in the lobby at least had brought a walker for me to help me get back down to my car <laughs> later on. You're still two years younger than me. Yeah, I know. So. I didn't want to point that out, but thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what to do with that. I don't know. But, but I, look, yeah. uh, excited for today's show. It's um, uh, it's, it's an topic that we don't kind of get to cover a lot or kind yeah. of dive into much so but it's yeah. it's intrinsically linked to what we do talk about which is marketing and sales and has a has a fair amount to do with how that products are brought to market you know within well a lot if, of you're organizations. Gonna, if you're gonna market or sell something if it's not a service it better be a product and uh, <laughs> that means you got to develop them at some point exactly right? and exactly. Uh, so how do you think about that how do you bring them to market how do you make sure you have more winners and not yeah, that's the topic of today's conversation. Yeah, and uh, you know it's also interesting. We we don't often get an opportunity to speak with multiple people within a single organization. Yeah, that's so true. That's true. Um, it's nice to see. Usually, after one, they kind of the word gets out. Don't talk to those guys ever again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I were us, mm. I wouldn't absolutely. But uh, no, it's it's great to uh, to have someone else from uh, from the same firm and uh, bringing us a different perspective on on how they go to market. So, yeah, let's get it going. Yeah. So joining us today is Chris Witt. Chris is the vice president and general manager of portfolio solutions at Tektronix. Welcome to the Cooler Ring, Chris. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. It's, it's great, great to be here. here. It's wonderful to have so, you on the show, mate. Um, thanks, 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 Look. Uh, Let's, let's, I know that some of our listeners may have um, heard a recent episode about Tektronix. Maybe they think they know the company, but I'm sure there are some folks that do not. So let's introduce to the, uh, maybe our listeners to the firm a bit um, and uh, tell us in more layman's terms what you actually do there. Sure. <clears throat> so Tektronix is an electronic products company. Uh, we work in test and measurement and make a variety of tools for engineers to help develop electronic products. Uh, we've been in business for 75 years, and um, the company has uh, obviously changed a lot uh, over that time. But uh, that the company started kind of at the advent of the radio age, when transistors were appearing and uh, the folks developing products needed better tools uh, to, to do their work faster, and we still do that today. Um, you're probably familiar, uh, if you're an electrical engineer, with the, the brands Tektronix and Keithley, that kind of makes up our portfolio. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit of a background. But when the kids ask me, well, what do we make? Um, the main product is an oscilloscope and it's uh, akin to a stethoscope for an electrical engineer to look into their circuits and see what's going on. Really cool. Um... And and basically, I mean, I know Jeff gave us the formal title, but we can just shorten it up and say you lead product at Tektronix. That's right. Yeah. And you go about it in a in a rather interesting way. Yeah. Too. And I think that's that's largely the subject that we're here to talk about. So why, why don't you tell us a, a little bit about? Um, well, I think it'd be great first of all to just let us know like how long you've been there and and 
how you're kind of shaping that role and then let's get into uh, how you guys really um, make products in a very different way and bring them to market in a different way. Sure, Jeff. So I've been here at Tektronics for eight years. Um, I've been in this industry for over 30 years now, used uh, Tektronics products when I was in school, for many years competed against Tektronics, um, had a deep respect for the brand, and then had a chance to join, uh, join the company and help uh, write the next chapter um, in uh, how we're going to innovate and grow. <clears throat> we uh, absolutely have flipped the script on innovation and how we approach that. And uh, that journey started three or four years ago. Uh, we brought in uh, experts from industry, companies like Apple, IDEO, Nike, um, and helped engineer a process, if you will, um, to build better, better products and uh, more disruptive and innovative solutions for our customers. Um, previously, what we would do is have a great idea, develop a product, bring it into the market, and then see uh, exactly how successful it would be, how the competition might respond, how well we did in delighting our customers. Uh, by flipping the script, we're doing a lot of that market work up front in treating innovation more like a funnel than a pipeline. And uh, starting with a wide range of ideas and refining and filtering that down so that by the time we start developing a product, we have much more confidence that we're onto something that's going to be truly disruptive. So it's really about kind of slowing down up front, if you will, in that, those early stages. That's absolutely true. Um, we spend a lot of time with customers when we have, you know, really crazy ideas and uh, are trying to almost see around the corner about what problems are emerging for them and going through the different stages of what we call our dream process we refine down to something that we have a great amount of confidence in. How do you, um, you mentioned Apple. So when I saw this old Steve Jobs quote from yesterday, yesterday that reminded me of, uh, you reminded me of in this conversation where this is just suggesting that Jobs didn't really believe in research all that much. He said, it's not the job to the customer to tell me what they're going to want. It's up for me to know what they're going to want. Yeah. Uh, how do you, you know, because part of this process is to bring more disruptive and innovative products to market. Um, how do you square that with the notion of maybe can customers tell us what they don't know they need yet? They, they can't. So I do agree with Steve in this case. Um, what they can tell you about is the pain that they experience, the frustrations that they have, and which ones are growing in magnitude and uh, will become more and more compelling to address over time. So in a way, the approach we take is to fall in love with the customer's problem, if you will, and really try to have a deep sense of empathy for uh, what they are working with every day. Hmm. I, I love the notion of falling in love with a customer's problem. <laughs> it means you, you're really examining it from every possible well, angle. At the same time, it's, it may sound like you don't want the problem to end either. But never, no. Well, <laughs> well, no, because then you won't need the product, Carmen. That's right. So in the process, we also 
look at the business model and is this something that's going to grow over time? Is our advantage on day one going to uh, be durable? So, uh, so it's not just a one and done, but is it something we can build on? Um, so that's, that's also a pretty important business aspect to uh, looking at these different ideas. And if we're thinking about this as a funnel versus a, a pipeline, which you know, that, that is, what that tells me is that we're developing potentially fewer products through to completion, but we're exploring uh, many more ideas up front than we used to. What, uh, so assuming that that's accurate, kind of what's the order of magnitude of that? How many more ideas are you able to explore yeah. using this process versus what you were <clears throat> able to kick around before? Those are both true for different reasons, though. So let me start with why are we doing fewer programs? Um, by doing this more disciplined market work up front, we're finding bigger opportunities that we can really double down on. And those tend to have bigger uh, payback, uh, bigger, bigger returns. Um, so we are doing fewer things. The, the robust process allows us to be maybe a little bit less compelled by a move a competitor does today or something we need to do to win a deal today, but to think three to five years out. And um, that's led to fewer, bigger things. Now, uh, the difference between the funnel and the pipe, we have to start with about nine ideas uh, for one that yields uh, into development at the end of the process. And we have to get comfortable with killing things and pivoting things. And uh, that's a bit of a change leadership uh, journey that we're on. Um, embracing failure is one of the terms you hear a lot, but uh, I think of it as embracing learning through the process and the insights we get. Anytime we kill something or pivot something, we usually end up with greater insight about what's coming next. And some of those ideas come back much stronger as a result. As you work down through that funnel, you know, with those nine ideas, striving to perfect one of them and, and well, obviously not perfect because things will continue to iterate and you'll be looking for that multi-year, um, that multi-year uh, engagement where you're, where you're releasing things. But how far do you go? You know, is it, you know, do you, end up nine things and then five of them you end up taking to a prototype stage or, or begin to trial with uh, with others or, or are you basically kind of working through the ideas theoretically and then and then getting down to one thing that you prototype and kind of build out to test um <clears throat> we don't actually think a lot about the yield that nine to one ratio through the process um it's just what actually happens when we actually measure uh, at each at each gate um, what yields um, eat, there are four gates through our dream process and they each have distinct criteria that we evaluate against and uh, ideas come to a growth board and in that meeting we decide if it's a uh, a pass or a kill or or potentially a pivot um, and we don't uh, uh, hide the process. So the team that's coming with the idea is there for the deliberation, uh, the, the Q&A deliberation and decision 
all within 45 minutes of that meeting. Um, the gates go through a series of key questions to be answered. So just to pass an idea into the dream process, we have to uh, see that it's a big enough idea. We have a compelling thesis about our um, ability to play to win, some of our, the advantages we can leverage, and we check for alignment with our strategy. And then progressively, each of the subsequent gates refines further and further, culminating in a business model validation, which means we really have something we believe we can deliver um, and something that has sustainable advantages. Help me understand the kind of stages of customer validation along that path. Well, the, the first gate after the idea gate is we call the problems worth solving. So that's really thinking about the market, what's emerging as a real pain point, and uh, is it something that's going to grow over time? Is it big enough um, that uh, it will it will yield a, a you know a large revenue opportunity for growth? So once we understand the problem, we have an idea of how big this is, um, you know what the customer personas are, uh, and then we start to get into prototyping of different kinds of solutions to those problems. That the next gate is actually called the customer validation gate. Um, that is the result of all of this prototyping, sometimes hundreds of prototypes, yielding what we call the winning solution. And customers will tell us, you know, they'll come back with, hey, that's a 10 out of 10. I would buy that today. Uh, once we have confidence in that, then we go on to business model valid validation. Have we thought about the full business model canvas? Do we need to partner with someone to bring the full solution to the market? Do we have the go-to-market? Do we have the engineering talent? Do we, uh, do we have the ability to manufacture it? All of those aspects. Then we end up with a, a pro forma P&L of that business and uh, look at it and say, well, is this, is this above our hurdle rate for an investment? Um, do we really, really like it better than the other choices we have? Um, and if that's a yes, then that's a one out of nine that's made it all the way through. Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash sample ABM. It's a, it is interesting to reflect on your earlier comment around um, the leadership needing to cultivate the practice <laughs> of getting good at killing ideas. Um, would you say that that's been the biggest uh, organizational challenge in kind of implementing this new approach? Um, it's probably the second biggest. Uh, embracing insight as a currency as opposed to, you know, falling in love with my idea as opposed to the customer's problem and then feeling really bad when it gets killed. Um, and a lot of companies are going through this. So we, 
we do have help in uh, helping the team learn this and get, you know, find their new comfort zone, if you will. I think that's incredibly important because yeah. I mean, being able to, you know, I, I went to design school where critique was a, you know, certainly a form of currency and an expected result for every project. So you, you learn to develop that kind of, okay, I'm making this for this group of people and, you know, it may not succeed there because of these things, but it doesn't mean that the idea is completely <laughs> crap. And or it doesn't mean you're a bad person no, exactly. because now and, the idea is crap. And not internalizing that. Like, that's, that's a difficult thing for people to learn if they haven't kind of, you know, started with that from a young age. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of ownership for the work that people do. And uh, it is a different mindset. I'd be curious if there have been some, there has to have been some aha moments uh, as the leadership gets better and better at killing ideas, they must look at some other ideas in the past and say, oh my goodness, we really kept that alive for a lot longer <laughs> than we should have. Like <laughs> Legacy products? You well, mean? they're just ways that you think about, you know, when you're, you're actively in that meeting killing products, you're probably thinking there are a bunch that came before that should have been killed earlier <laughs> than they ended up getting killed by the market or what have Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> the sooner you address um, a defect, and the defect can be a bad idea, it can be an actual defect in your product, earlier in the process you catch that, uh, the better your uh, efficiency is, your effectiveness is. No question about that. <laughs> hmm. uh, now, you said what was the biggest frustration? The biggest one is actually the change in governance in how we did this. And it's a little bit of like, hey, you moved my cheese. Um, uh, why are we using a growth board? My general manager used to be able to make these decisions. And embracing the fact that we're making better decisions with better outcomes um, and embracing this new process has been probably the biggest uh, area of learning and uh, growth for the team. Yeah, I could see... Uh, uh... I mean, because it, it means that there's people from other disciplines that used to have no input into it probably now uh, having a say on that board. Yeah. Uh, there'd be a collection of people that'd be like, yeah. well, who the hell do they think they are anyway? <laughs> yeah. Like I sit on the growth board with the CEO, our CFO, and our ops manager, the, one, the guy who will have to build all these things. And they ask a lot of questions that we didn't ask um, that early in the process. And uh, they, uh, they're pretty smart guys. <laughs> and, gal and gals. <laughs> oh, that, that's fantastic. And, I mean, I have to wonder how has, has the impact of this new program been more outsized on your engineering team than anybody else? Like, did, you know, were, were there other groups within the, the organization that maybe embraced, embraced it first or... Um, we actually created a new team uh, that we actually call the growth catalyst teams to literally be the catalyst for this new process. They go through deep training um, on innovation. Some of these people come from the companies I talked about, and they have a lot of experience about design theory uh, and, uh, you know, disruptive uh, differentiation. Um, as the teams bring the ideas all the way through the dream process, they have the catalyst as part of their team. 
kind of a player coach on the team uh, to help them with these new tools. Uh, I want to kind of jump ahead a bit to how we were bringing these products to market because yeah. it's a bit of a different approach too that you've kind of uh, changed along with this, uh, you know, deciding which products to develop. That's exactly right. So we have more confident, deeper insight um, for who our Lighthouse customers are, uh, the target personas, how they're going to resonate with this uh, product, not just functionally, um, but emotionally and socially. Um, how is it going to make them feel uh, in doing their work? So all of that helps us refine our messaging in the collateral, whether it's in a webinar, uh, on our website, uh, or in person. And you know, in our training for our commercial team, it has, a, I think, a lot more depth than what we had in the past. We're a lot more specific about how to position the product uh, or solution. I, I, I have in my notes uh, from uh, our prep for this uh, episode something called a rolling thunder approach, and I have no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> so was that something that you said, or did I just write something random down in an earlier conversation, Chris? Um, no, I, I talked about that as an approach, and it does um, it, it does speak to how we introduce the products to the market, but also to how we're developing the products. So these new platforms we're developing, uh, kind of think of them as a franchise, if you will. So we have our, our first kind of landing point and our first solution, uh, but we keep a team on the platform and um, uh, every three to six months, we're delivering enhancements and building momentum, uh, uh, expanding the aperture on the, cus the, the customer base. It may be adding another vertical. It may be uh, introducing a companion product deeper in the workflow. Um, so you see uh, a rolling thunder there um, as the product keeps getting better. And if you invest in the product as a user, you have confidence that it's going to get better over time. New firmware drops, new capabilities coming. That enables us to have a rolling thunder to reach more customers and continue to build on the story. Um, it's a change in mindset from just thinking about, we've got something new, we're gonna launch it. We're gonna pull the whole team, go work on something else new and launch it. Um, my team now, the portfolio leaders in my team, are thinking about their whole portfolio. How do they reach all of the target markets, uh, strengthen the portfolio over time, retire the pieces of the portfolio that have uh, kind of outlived their usefulness, but help customers move to the more modern uh, solutions that have replaced them. So it's more of a continuous fo focus than an event focus. And is that continuous focus being applied to the ongoing messaging development and kind of positioning of these products as well? Yeah. Every time we have a drop in three, four months, or sometimes more often, um, there's a collateral that goes with that. And, uh, and it also uh, it kind of keeps the customers coming back and looking and saying, hey, what's, what's new? What's going on? Uh, and these are engineers that may get a new piece of hardware every five or seven years, right? 
So they didn't have occasion to come back to the website and learn about what's new very often because they didn't have a, a capital budget. Uh, but now they are much more engaged. What a great opportunity to be able to re-engage and re-engage and re-engage with customers that, like you said, you know, previously never, you know, they didn't hear from you until they needed something completely new that was going to require a, a right. sizable new investment. So, you know, let's, let's not even worry about Tektronics. So we're not going to need another uh, another scope for some time. But, you know, I, I really like the rolling thunder term. But one of the things you said a few moments ago about how you approach introducing products to market about lighthouse customers and as somebody who lives from the world's, you know, about 30 minutes away from the world's most famous lighthouse, <laughs> uh, Peggy's Cove, I, I thought that was a really interesting way to, to kind of turn that phrase about how you choose the customers that you're, you know, truly real ideal fit. Yeah, exactly. You know, that, and that are also going, I, I assume that the reason you're calling them lighthouse customers is, is that they're also kind of letting their peers know about this product as well, kind of spreading it in some way, shape or form. How are you approaching that? Well, uh, a great lighthouse, lighthouse customer is someone who represents a segment of the market and uh, is, articulate about uh, the problem that they have. And we were recruiting these Lighthouse customers all the way back into DreamFace. And um, those Lighthouse customers uh, have had value exchanges with us before we've developed the product. They've uh, either given us information or purchased a prototype um, or done something to demonstrate that they very much uh, are into what we're working on. And we'll stay connected with them throughout the development phase. We have these sprints through our agile development. And every time we have a, uh, a build, measure, learn cycle, we are getting uh, feedback from these, uh, these target customers um, to see if we're on track. And uh, they're also often the first ones to using the product uh, when it's introduced. They're often quoted in our press release. Yeah. So I was going to say, it just allows you to launch with social proof right out of the oh, gate. Exactly. Beautiful. Yeah. That, that's, that's so, so smart. And so, you know, it's a great thing to learn. You know, we, we often hear of how agile processes have made their way into marketing. And obviously, you know, this has come largely from a software development kind of background but you know now we're seeing people developing physical products you know with, with a supporting services and mm. and other uh you know software level improvements that are rolling out in an iterative fashion that give you lots of things yeah. to talk about constantly like it's it's pretty cool to see uh see organizations adopting those principles and mm -hmm. uh, that they they work in so many different functions yeah they can cascade across many different uh, areas yeah. of the organization this yeah. is certainly one example of that yeah yeah really cool well chris we're, we're coming close to the end of our time here but i really want to know you know this has obviously been a um you know a, a a labor of love and and i'm sure it hasn't been without it, its uh speed bumps and and other things along the way but what are you looking forward to next and, and what do you wish you knew before you started this process <clears throat> um well, this is a really interesting time for us. So we put this process in place um, two and a half, three years ago. 
And uh, this year we're introducing the first products that have gone fully through the process, through the dream phase, through the development phase and into the market. I'm super excited about what's coming. Um, we, we uh, as it turns out, have a lot of choices. We don't have to do everything. We don't have to act on every idea we have. Um, but the ones that survive through this process are pretty exciting to work on, pretty exciting to show to customers. And uh, we're just at the beginning of that journey. Um, so that's, I think, what I'm most excited about. We're going to have a fun second half of the year um, as we're showing these new uh, solutions to customers and, and bringing them uh, to market. Uh, what do I wish I knew? Uh, I, I think I underest underestimated uh, just how big the change challenge would be to bring the organization along. Um, it made a lot of sense as we were talking about how to improve our process. Everyone agreed. We, uh, we had big opportunities to improve. Uh, bringing the whole organization along um, has been has interesting, a lot of learning. I think what I would do differently is, is not uh, bring the whole organization on, you know, in phase one. I probably would have broken it up into phases, picked one part of the portfolio or two of them and brought those teams along refined and then and then broadened after that um so we went pretty broad pretty quick and <laughs> there was a, there were some um, fireworks early on so uh <laughs> that, that's what i would do over <laughs> it's always uh it's interesting to have that hindsight at the same time man i mean uh, whether it's a organizational change or even uh, in some instances I can think of a political change where when uh, people reflect on it after the fact and they almost maybe going faster would have been better like going <laughs> like, so I, I, I kind of think it almost whichever way you go you're gonna end up wondering if the other way would have been maybe better or easier yeah well, and, and yeah. had you done it a department at a time would you be getting ready to launch some amazing new products right now maybe not, not as know? many so yeah it's <laughs> no. yeah. yeah there's a couple of sides to that for sure but. yeah that's true well, this yeah. has been a fantastic conversation i really thank you for sharing your uh, expertise with us today it's been a i don't know i just think it's a uh, a, a fascinating uh, change that you've instigated there and it's exciting to watch it unfold thank you carmen i really appreciate your guys interest and uh, really enjoyed uh, our conversation me as well. Thanks All a lot, Chris. You. Thanks, Jeff. Take care. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.